Yo, what's good, y'all? Welcome to the John Cat Show, episode number 25. 25, I can't believe it. I'm going to say it again. I always said if I did just one episode just for myself, I'd view it as such an accomplishment. The technical stuff was so hard. And guys, for real, for real, like the part about just putting yourself out there, if you guys want to do something in life, if you're, if you, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. If there's something you want to do, some idea you have, if people don't make fun of it or think it's weird or whatever, like, then it's not, it's probably not even a good idea. You know what I mean? Then it's, it's just mundane and boring. Like if, if you have something you feel like you want to do in life, whatever it is, podcast, uh, create some product, sell some product, make a website, whatever it is today, you could 2021, you can do whatever you want, right? If it's just like everybody just goes, yeah, it sounds like a great idea. It's probably not a great idea. You want people to be like, wait, what? You really think you could do that? Or that's kind of weird. Then it, then it's something good. Uh, you know, life's short, man. Life is so fucking short. It's um, it, it's the blink of an eye. Time. I, I don't want to get off. I'm going to get into a weird area here, right? Sorry. Time is a construct that, that, uh, that we've created here. But um, everything's just kind of happening right now. And that's kind of how you should kind of view everything. And it's like, uh, you really don't have anything to lose at the end of the day by, uh, by doing something crazy. But anyway, 25 episodes is nuts. I can't believe I'm recording 25 of these stupid things. So anyone who's listening or downloading or whatever, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And the kind comments that you guys, uh, give me online and send me and stuff. It's, uh, it, it just means the world and I'm going to keep at it and keep giving you these episodes more rapidly. Any case, this is not going to be a political episode. I do want to touch on one thing from last week, but I want to talk about some more fun stuff like sports and some social media stuff and TikTok, things like that. In any case, to touch on last couple episodes, I was talking a lot about the fake narratives that go on in society today and how harmful and detrimental those are, specifically when you start attaching things like racism, where it doesn't necessarily belong or where there's maybe not evidence of it. We just saw with the Derek Chauvin conviction and so forth. I don't even want to get into that case again. He was obviously found guilty on all three counts, yada, yada, yada. But when they attach racism to things that, you know, I failed to discuss the one area where it's actually the most profound and the most impactful in our society, and it, it certainly will be going forward, which is our election process and this idea that our desire to enforce stricter rules in our elections is somehow racist. And and what you're seeing is now you can shout down any logical argument, you know, by saying, well, that's racist or that's sexist. And you don't really need to, you know, counteract with any type of, uh, you know, fact or statistic to back that up. It just kind of shuts the other person up because it's such a shameful accusation. But look what happened in Georgia uh, and in Texas and other places. If, if you think, if I'll say this all the time and other people say it too, and it's true. If you think that certain people are incapable of accomplishing certain things based on the color of their skin, that they can't accomplish things that other people can accomplish with a different skin color, then you're insanely racist for thinking that. I can't, I can't think of anything more racist. You're, you're actually separating, first you're separating people out by the color of their skin. And then the group that you're professing to advocate for, you're saying that they're not as capable as these other people. The truth is, I don't even think most people think that. I think it's just a dishonest argument they use because they want the rules to be lax in the contest so that 
they can cheat or that people on their side could potentially look if you had a football game uh, you, let's say you were a coach or a, a you know a parent of a player or something and you went or a player and you went up to a referee before the game and you said hey you know uh, don't call holding that much this game or don't call pass interference that much this game like you know uh, go easy on that well that's because you plan on holding and interfering more you don't want more lax rules unless you want to bend the rules but to say a certain skin color is not capable of some very basic things like getting identifications and so forth or using the internet come on you know and if, if you're trying to separate it out by poverty lines I, without looking it up there's definitely more white people below the poverty line in this country. I'm not talking about percentages of races, but how would that have, you know, I even saw in Texas the other day, I was watching this the other day, they made, they, they were discussing the fact that Texas was trying to pass a bill, the GOP in Texas was trying to pass a bill to ban drive-through voting. They felt like the, the, the drive-through voting was another area that's vulnerable to potential fraud. And the panelists that were on there discussing it, the, the Democrat panelists, we're saying, well, that's racist. It's obviously an attempt to oppress certain races and this and that. And I'm thinking, well, what are you what are you saying now? Because normally their argument is, well, people of color lack access to certain things because they're impoverished and they live in these areas. But now you're talking about drive throughs so you're talking about a population of people with cars. And it's funny because they're just now labeling everything racist. But the, the third panelist finally spoke up and he said, you know, uh, by the GOP doing this, they're actually going to hurt their own vote because a lot of people that drive through vote vote Republican like veterans and elderly and so forth. And I thought, well, yeah, because they're not thinking like you think they're not targeting certain groups. They're not actually trying to oppress a vote. You all just made the opposite point and contradicted yourselves three times in one panel. I don't know if you guys follow what I actually said there, but essentially they say, A, that it's racist if you want to have people have to get voter ID and use the Internet to do certain things. B, they say it's racist now if you want to if you have a car, if you ban people that want to drive through, then well, that's racist, too. Essentially, any rule you want to enforce, they just label it as racist. Can someone please explain to me? how it's racist to require an identification. I'm going to tell you, and I've, I've spoken about it before, I'm going to, if you want to have foolproof elections in this country, if you want to fix our election process, here's what you do. One, you make election day one day only. It's one fucking day, okay? You don't get to vote a month early. You don't get to vote four days late. It's one fucking day. And it's a national paid holiday. You make it a national holiday Everybody, it's only once every four years anyway, okay? Everyone gets paid just like they get paid for Christmas and and 4th of July and everything else. And you open the polls 5 a.m. to midnight, okay? So even if you're like, let's say, a paramedic or something, right? It's a paid holiday. If you have to be on shift that day, there's no way you're working from 5 a.m. to midnight. At some point, you're going to be able to get to that poll. The only people that should be voting absentee or by mail are disabled people, military personnel or or citizens living abroad, you know, or very elderly that would fall under the category disabled. Unless you're one of those people and you have four years, right? You have four years to, to go in. Unless you're one of those people. And if it's not important enough for you to go wait in line for two hours for the most important democratic lowercase d process that we have, then, then you should not be voting point blank. That's it. And then the next thing you got to do Everybody has to have identification, photo ID, or look, it's 2021. There are, there should be more 
secure methods of identifying people. People always say blockchain. I'll be honest. I have no idea what blockchain is. I'm not a technical guy. But if you tell me blockchain is the most efficient method of identifying people, let's use that. Let's use what's ever bulletproof. Why do people, here's the deal. Here's the fact. And this is, this is 100% true. If you could introduce a bill in Congress that was bulletproof, forgetting the details, this is a complete hypothetical, so follow me here. If you could introduce a piece of legislation that essentially said, with 100% guarantee, only legal and eligible voters can vote, and only legal and we can identify them with 100% accuracy, every single Democrat in Congress would vote against that bill. Every one of them. And you all know it. Why? Because they want to be able to bend it. They want to be able to manipulate it. They want to be able to find the loopholes. And and the fact that they take the fact that they take a segment of the population who's vulnerable and in pain and impressionable and they use this narrative of oppression and racism. It's not only they're cheaters, they're just they're just evil, manipulating dirty people. It's a it's a dirty, dirty game they're playing. And I'm gonna tell you another example, you know, or because what what I'm talking about here is taking a real issue and attaching a phony narrative to it. That's something I talk about all the time. You want to know credit to Bill Maher for this. You know, Bill Maher, the comedian with the show, I'm sure y'all know who he is. Obviously disagree with a ton that dude has to say, but he's right on a lot about a lot. You know, a lot of these, a lot of these comedians uh, have been on the front lines of this, you know, woke cancel culture, false narrative bullshit for a long time because their livelihoods rely on it. And he's always been willing to at least call out that side of it, even though uh, he's got his own case of TDS. But here's the deal. He brought up recently and he's it, it, it's it's so accurate. There was a there was a Gallup poll um, and Gallup's obviously not some right leaning whatever. So Gallup did a poll on the coronavirus and they asked all these people questions about the coronavirus Democrats and Republicans, and they said if they were Democrat or Republican. The poll revealed that it asked the question of what percentage, if you, it said, if you catch coronavirus, what are your odds of being hospitalized? 40% of Democrats said that you have a 50% chance of going to the hospital. By the way, it's under 5%, just so, just for context. So 40% of Dems said you have a 50% chance, a one in two chance of being hospitalized. And by the way, if you're a young, healthy person, it's it's like, you know, less than one percent. The, the, the reason it's even close to five is you're lumping in all the people with, um, you know, comorbidities and, you know, uh, elderly and obese and so forth. So 40 percent of Democrats think half the people that get coronavirus go to the hospital. Think about that for a minute. Another 30 percent of Democrats said it was like, I don't want to get this wrong. I believe it was another 30% said it was 25%, right? So a combined 70%, more than two-thirds of Democrats believe you have either a one in two or one in four chance of being hospitalized if you catch coronavirus, when in fact it's below 5%. And again, if you're healthy, it's well below 5%. Now, the Republicans were much closer to the actual number. But why is that? Why is that? All you hear from Dems is we're the party of science. Uh, You know, Republicans are... And by the way, again, I am not a Republican. I'm calling out the two sides as I see what's happening from the left and from the right. And all you hear from the left is that the right is a bunch of science deniers and that the virus, they think the virus is a hoax. But the truth is that that people on the right, according to Gallup, are looking at the actual accuracy, the actual accurate numbers. And the people on the left, because of the false narrative that's been driven. And that's the point I'm making here is 
there's a reason that people on the left believe that half half the uh, coronavirus sufferers go to the hospital. There's a reason they believe that. Because the people that they listen to make them believe that. The people that they listen to are installing that fear in them every single day, nonstop. So if you're somebody that watches CNN and you're someone that watches Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo and Fauci being interviewed every day, they're the ones proclaiming to give you the accurate scientific information. But for some reason, kind of funny, their audience are the ones who are wildly off in their perception of what this virus actually is. So when you're driving down the road and you see somebody driving with a mask on, just remember that person actually believes that if they catch this virus, they have a one in two chance of being hospitalized. Legit, they really think that. A big percentage of the population really thinks that. So talk about what you can do with a dangerous narrative. Think about how dangerous that really is. All right, moving on from that. The, the, the whole point being, try to just remain objective. I've said this on almost every episode, which is use logic over emotion. Just just sit back and look at everything like a math problem. You know what I mean? Somebody was recently saying, it was um, I saw it on Joe Rogan, I believe, and it, it, a long time ago, but I was just discussing this with somebody. If you treated your life like a video game, right? Anybody who's played a video game where you're trying to advance to the next level and, and achieve the next thing, you, you never stop and entertain any bullshit. You know what I mean? You also wouldn't you know, sit on the couch and watch TV for six hours. You know, you'd be, you'd always be trying to advance and accomplish things in such a pragmatic and objective way. You got to approach life that way. You can't be, you, you can't let your emotions take over what you know to be factual. Look, if you're somebody who thinks that half the population gets hospitalized, all you've got to do is Google the statistics on that. You know, even Google, you're going to get the correct statistics. What percentage of coronavirus patients are hospitalized? Now, let's say you're 30. Google, what percentage of 30-year-olds are hospitalized with coronavirus? And and then maybe you'll feel a little better about your situation. Just like if, if you actually are somebody who's afraid that the police are going to kill you, for example, you should look up the statistics. How many unarmed people are killed by the police every year? And then you could look up, how many unarmed people are killed by the police who are not resisting arrest? And then you could say to yourself, well, if I'm not carrying a weapon and I'm not resisting arrest, my odds of being killed by the police, just statistically speaking, you know, would be one out of hundreds of millions. So there's always reality and then there's narratives. And uh, if people are going to live their lives in fear and adjust the way that they live their lives, you know, that, that, that's, a, uh, that's a scary concept. That's the opposite of what we should be doing. All right, so moving on. Uh, something else I want to talk about. I've been spending a lot of time on this TikTok app. I don't know if you guys have seen. I've been posting a lot of my TikTok videos. It is a fun, addicting app. And Here's a couple points I want to make because a lot of people have said this to me, which is uh, they've said it to me online and personally. Then my mom was telling me how she's like, yeah, you know, I sent this clip to a friend of mine. He loves you. She's like, he loves your podcast, but she's like, does does your son know that TikTok is a CCP app? And people keep telling me online. They're like, you know, that's a Chinese app, right? And here's, here's why it cracks me up because they tell me this on Facebook and on Twitter 
I assume my mom's friend messaged this to her on Facebook. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, if you're making a distinction between a Chinese owned app and Facebook and Twitter, and and you trust Mark Zuckerberg and uh, Jack Dorsey with your data any more than the country of China, what tech isn't Chinese nowadays? I'm far more worried with what they're they're doing with my with my information here domestically. I mean, I'm the first one to call China out on their bullshit, but here's what's interesting. By the way, you never hear about the Instagram guy. You always hear about Zuck and Dorsey, you know? Um, named Kevin something. You never hear about Kevin from IG. How's that dude under the radar? But but here's what's interesting because I I I spent I you know, I spend most of my time on Twitter. I I kind of again, it, it's too much to try to be present on all the platforms. I sprinkle in some Facebook and Instagram content now, but Twitter's more my vibe. You can you can kind of just, you know, long form express what you want to express. But here's why that's interesting. Twitter and Facebook will flag your posts and take your posts down quick, quick if you talk about certain topics, as will YouTube, by the way. That's another one, right? You know, people use YouTube. They have no problem. So here's why TikTok's interesting. It's it's um there's a lot of kids on there, so you can't. It, it, people would probably like this aspect. A lot of the people I know, it, you can't be too vulgar. You know, you can't have nudity. You can't have too much sexual content. It can't be too graphic and things like that because they don't want kids seeing those things. But politically, it, as far as from my personal experience, you can you can say what you want, and I see a lot of huge videos, whether it be discussing certain aspects of the election that Twitter and Facebook don't allow, whether it be discussing certain aspects of the coronavirus that Twitter and Facebook don't allow. So you can say, well, it's a Chinese app, which it is. But the truth is they allow far more open. Ironically, they allow far more open discourse for now. Let's see. But my personal experience is that. And then again, what are they going to do with my info? You know what I mean? Like over in China, what are they going to do with it? Honestly, I mean, how? what did they have on me that they couldn't get from some public forum, my email address? Like what have I given to TikTok that it's connected to my phone? Again, I, do I trust these domestic tech companies that are all up in my phone? If I go to Home Depot tomorrow, Facebook and Twitter and all these people are going to start spamming me with Home Depot ads. Like Google knew I was there and everyone in my life, it's like, that 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 dam is broken unless you choose to be off the grid that dam is broken um and so i i don't i don't see that argument i made the joke too i i you know i did the i did the dna um the genetic testing in the dna years ago with 23 and me and and again people were like you know china bought them and china has your dna now and i'm like and you know what are they going to do with, are they going to clone me? And uh, I said, I joked, I go, were they going to clone me and make an army of skinny Jews? Like that damn has broken. And again, I, I'm the most cynical fucking person out there. I don't trust anybody, right? But I still look at everything pragmatically and objectively. And I go, what are they going to do? What, what can they do with the info that they have? So if someone can give me like the worst case scenario of what uh, TikTok's going to do, but I, I I don't know. I, I, I don't. So I don't see that argument. But again, it's very addicting. I've been doing a couple things on there. One, I post, you know, clips of this and just me saying random things, thoughts on society and politics or whatever. But here's why it's fun. I've been making these um, 
these sports, these like, you know, old school highlight clips of different guys. I love, uh, you know, football in particular, old returners, Dante Hall and Devin Hester and these guys, and people will request to do different dudes. And I do these music montages and uh, it's really fun. And, and by the way, that's another thing, you know, I'm the first one and I, oh, I've talked about a lot how, you know, I was a Redskins fan my whole life, diehard, you know, since I was a little, little kid. And, um, and, and I've said on here more than once that because the NFL has become so politicized lately and, and uh, the NBA and sports and all that, it's like, it, it did make me lose a little interest. And then with my team losing their name, you know, not even the Redskins anymore, give me a but, you know, more and more lately, especially as I was making these clips, I, I was realizing, you know, and I take this approach with my music, my, my music, music with music I listen to. I take this approach with movies and television shows, which is I'm not letting the commies win. <laughs> you know what I mean? I differentiate. First of all, I appreciate greatness. I appreciate art. Uh, I appreciate great music and great movies and athletics at the, at the highest level and, and seeing these people do things that one in a billion people could do that come along once in a lifetime and create this amazing artistry. And it's like the fact that the powers that be are corrupting the corporations that own the organizations where these people are able to express their art fuck them. I'm not letting them take it away from me. Do you know what I mean? And I differentiate between the people at the top who are who are doing all this woke virtue signaling political shit where it doesn't belong, which is in the entertainment industry in my opinion. And I separate them from the you know, if you've known the best athletes, they're not political guys. You know what I mean? They're uh they're they're very apolitical. They're very focused on being great. They're very focused on competing. One one of my most popular and polarizing because it's so polarizing, uh, TikTok videos. Speaking of, was a clip I had posted from this show where I was simply saying that if LeBron James had the mindset that guys like Jordan and Kobe had, he actually would be the greatest. And people, there's still comments going on. People will debate that to the end of time. But you know, it's an interesting thing as it applies to this topic we're talking about now, which is look at a guy like LeBron. And again, the the reason to me, his when I say he doesn't have the mental makeup of the Jordan, you never hear Jordan or Tiger Woods, Kobe Bryant, but Mike Tyson. These, the guys that were the best of the best of the best were not into all this uh, extra virtue. So look at LeBron and the way he plays on the court and then acts off the court. And you'll know what I'm talking about when I say mental toughness versus guys like Kobe and MJ. LeBron flops all the time on the floor. He flops and he takes charges all the time. Not only did Kobe never flop, guy never even took a charge. I'm not saying he never drew an offensive foul, but he never intentionally like slid in to take a charge. Uh, he just didn't play that way. He wanted to defend the play. And now look at the way the LeBron is in life with the victim mentality bullshit that he always perpetrates. LeBron James went to private school. LeBron James was the most popular kid in the country when he was 14 years old. He went to private school. He was a multimillionaire when he turned 18 immediately. The biggest star in the world. He's a a freaking billionaire or something now. Give me a break. He wants so badly to be viewed as a victim and to be looked at as I'm oppressed too. And he plays that way like he's a victim and he acts that way off the court. And it's why I'll never be the fucking goat. And I'll say it a million times.
And look at somebody like I posted clips recently, you know, contrast that with somebody like a Lil Wayne, who basically, if LeBron instead said what Lil Wayne says, which is, hey, I can't personally relate to that narrative that you're telling me with the racism and stuff because I haven't personally experienced that type of oppression. But XYZ or like the other guy, take a, you know, a Kevin Hart type approach, which is, hey, I did come from a tough spot. And look how amazing my life turned out because I did X, Y, and Z. And you could be successful too. Either message is great. But the message of, hey, I'm a billionaire and I'm a victim too. You look like a clown. LeBron's a goofball in my opinion. I get, look, he's a great player. He's a top 10 all-time player. He just does not have that mental makeup. He's not. You look at Jordan, Kobe, Bird, certain dudes. They were willing to die out there. You know what I mean? And I know it's just a game and that sounds stupid to say. They were willing to fucking die. They weren't writhing around on the floor uh, when they got fouled pretending that they were hurt. Kobe was out there shooting free throws with a torn Achilles. Uh, Tiger is out there winning the U.S. Open with a broken leg. Imagine LeBron doing something like that. It's just not his bag. I don't want to have a hate LeBron show. I'm going to leave my man. I'm going to leave Bron alone. Plus, here's the crazy part. I'm a Laker fan. I've always been a Laker fan since I was a little kid with the Showtime Lakers with Magic and Kareem in them. And so it kills me that he came over to the team. It kills me. While we're on sports, here's another debate I'll be happy to spark because I've been making, I made all these compilation videos, like I said, of different running backs and things. And I was watching a ton of highlight reels of the all-time great running back. I made compilations of Jim Brown and Earl Campbell and, uh, and Barry Sanders, and I and I looked at others because I was I'm gonna make some others, and I was thinking of which ones to make, and I was like, you know, I never really watched all the running backs in a row like this before, and I thought to myself, who who, who really is the greatest? And I'll be honest, I don't think anyone's close to Barry Sanders. Now, okay, I, I'm not saying the greatest as in, you know, people apply championships, right? They they went to this debate. They go, who's who's won this and who's won that? And obviously Barry never won shit. Everybody knows. But I don't think it's as fair to apply that in football as let's say basketball. You know, in basketball, there's only five guys on the floor for your team. Five on five, right? If you never won a title in basketball, to me, it actually does take away a little bit from that all-time great discussion. Because you can impose your will so much more easily. Guys are scoring rapidly up and down the floor, two points, two points, three points. So you could take the ball every possession and you can impose your will on that team. You could play 45 out of 48 minutes. You can hold the ball. You personally give it to Jordan. Everyone clear out and and it's Jordan ISO or Jordan double team and the other guys aren't allowed. So, but if you're in football, you could be the Best. You could be the greatest wide receiver that ever lived. You could be the greatest linebacker that ever lived. And if your team is ass, you're fucked. If you if you got no quarterback to throw it to you and their offensive line sucks and your D's giving up 45 points a game, you're not going to win anything. Barry Sanders never, <laughs> the man never had a team. The man never had a QB. The man never had an O-line. How do you never give him an elite O-line? The man never had a great defense. That, that could control the clock and, and they could feed him the ball. His greatest runs were him making something out of nothing. But if you watch the moves this man made, I mean, he was just a boulder of muscle and he had such a low center of gravity. 
but the cuts and the moves and the broken tackles that this man made. I got to say, Barry, if you're just talking, who's the best talent? Who's the most uniquely talented running back? If you were starting a team today, I got to go Barry. I really do. And I didn't think that before. I didn't think Barry was the greatest running back before. Jim Brown is very impressive. He was ahead of his time. That dude played in like the 50s and 60s. And uh, those guys he was playing against just really simply were not on his level, strength-wise, athletics-wise. Earl Campbell, he came along a bit later, but similarly, he was a little bit ahead of his time. But to me, Earl looks more impressive than Jim. I don't know if he was as fast. He was a bit... The runs he made, I found, I don't know, Earl and Jim both. I got to put them like maybe two and three. And I'm not sure what order. I, maybe Earl, then Jim, but I got to put Barry at the top. And then from there, I'd, re, I'd really have to, um, I'd have to give it some some thought. You know, you got obviously Walter and Pete Emmett. People, oh, Emmett's, uh, you know, that's a good example of like, Emmett has all those, uh, those Super Bowls and he played on the Dynasty Cowboys and everything. Imagine Barry on like the Dynasty Cowboy teams or the Dynasty Niner teams or something like that. I mean, that dude would have five rings and, and you know, 2,000 yards a, a year for five straight seasons, you know. But so, yeah, man, TikTok, <laughs> TikTok's a lot of fun. I'm going to be doing some wide receivers, I'm be doing some quarterbacks. And yes, I am aware. So y'all can stop telling me it's a Chinese app. And if I'm making clips of NBA and NFL dudes, I'm aware of how fucking bullshit those organizations are too. But here's the thing. I appreciate those sports at their core level. I appreciate football and basketball and sports that I watched since I was two years old at their core level. I appreciate the artistry of it and especially making these montages of the dudes who I grew up watching is very gratifying. So I'm going to keep doing that. And uh, y'all can find me on Twitter and TikTok. TikTok. I'm at John Cat Show everywhere. So anywhere you look, it's at J-O-N-K-A-T-Z-S-H-O-W. For those of y'all that can't spell. Uh, one more, uh, another, another sports topic I wanted to get into. Did you guys see they do these boxing matches now where they have like celebrities fight pros, um, you know, or retired pro fighters and things like that. And this guy, Jake Paul, who's who's like a YouTube star, him and his brother, uh, Logan Paul, who was the uh, older brother, I believe. And, you know, they're not boxers. Like Jake Paul was like a goofy teenage, you know, YouTube star doing like corny, cheesy stuff. But then he he started boxing and he would do like these celebrity boxing matches and he knocked out former basketball player, tiny little Nate Robinson last year or a few months ago, or I don't remember when it was, but so they scheduled him and they just fought this last weekend against Ben Askren, who's just retired from MMA. I don't know if he's even retired. He probably, he's gotta be now. Um, Ben Askren's famous for eating that knee from George Masvidal in the first five seconds of a fight when they just Ding, ding, ran in and boom, he hit him with the knee and it was over. It was the fastest knockout ever. He had previously come into the UFC like uh, undefeated or whatever. Like the dude had been trying to get into the UFC forever, but Dana didn't want to let him. And the reason, by the way, one of the main reasons he never got in the UFC is he was known as the most boring fighter ever because he never would stand and trade and do anything exciting. He would literally just grab a hold of you and crawl on you. He was like the Damian Maya of the wrestling game. Now you're talking about Ben Askren is, was, he was on the U.S. Olympic wrestling team. You're talking about as high level of wrestlers you can get. He was, he was a two-time division one NCAA champion. I'll say that again. 
Division I NCAA champion twice and then made the U.S. Olympic team. So you're talking about a dude with an insanely high pedigree, right? Goes through the U.S. or sorry, uh, fights in, you know, Bellator or whatever for his whole career or most his career. He fought in other organizations, finally comes to UFC, gets knocked out. Then he recently had another fight against Robbie Lawler where he had taken a ton of damage. So he comes into this fight against Ben, uh, against Jake Paul and everyone's like, well, Ben can't box at all. Like Ben's never hurt anybody with a punch standing up and Jake Paul knocks him out with a, with an overhand right, knocks him down in the first round, knocks him down with a big right to the temple. And he got up quickly and the ref gave him like a standing eight and he said he was okay to fight, but the ref was like, no, no, no. He, he waved him off. He didn't think he was good to go. So that was it. It was over. And, and everyone thought that Ben Askren took a dive in this fight. Not everyone, but a lot of people that saw it were like, there's no way that was real. Jake Paul didn't knock this guy out. He obviously paid him to take a dive. And I, again, I'm a cynical person. I don't rule stuff like that out. I mean, Ben Askren got paid a million dollars for this fight. I think he said it was more than every Bellator fight he had combined. And I believe it, you know, he was probably making 50, 60 grand a fight or something in Bellator. Like he, he made a million dollars on this fight. Now, do I rule it out? Could Jacob pulled him aside and been like, Hey man, I'll give you an extra two million or an extra million if you just, you know, fall down with the first hard punch I land on the side of your head. It's possible, but I don't think so. I watched it a lot and I don't think he took a dive. It looked like a really hard right hand on the temple. And this is something I say all the time. Ben's taken some serious brain damage lately. You don't recover from that so fast. He he really got obviously comatose from Masvidal. Robbie Lawler he didn't put him to sleep, but he slammed him on his head and he beat. I mean, you can get concussed and brain damage without going to sleep, right? So, so you can't take that kind of damage again that quickly. And especially at his age, you can't take that kind of damage again that quickly. To me, it's just a lot easier to knock a guy out. And Jake Paul is a big, strong dude that throws a hard punch. That's a big overhand, right? It landed right on the side of the temple. And if here's my other problem with it if it was fixed and he was supposed to take a dive, wouldn't he have laid down? and stayed down. I mean, unless the plan was that for him to get up, the ref to let him keep going and then get knocked out permanently, similar to what actually did happen to Nate Robinson. But I just don't see it. I don't see it. And and if you just look, I brought up the pedigree that, that Ben has. Look at the kind of shape he was in. He was just there to collect his check. He figured he'd go in there and have fun. He, he Look, the guy's been hit a million times in his life. He's not worried about getting hit by a dude with, with big 12 ounce gloves on or 16 ounce gloves. I don't know. They're wearing huge gloves in there. So I don't think he's worried about it. I think he's just like, you know what? I'm going to make my million. Maybe I'll get lucky, but I'm not going to kill myself training for this thing. It's not a go. It doesn't go on his professional fight record or anything like that. But as far as Jake Paul goes, there's all this hype now that he's the boxer and he can beat up all these people. And he's, he's talking shit to Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz and all these dudes. Like, okay, first of all, in an MMA fight, he would just get smoked by every one of these people that he he met in a real fight. In any real fight where grappling is allowed, any one of these dudes, including Ben Askren, would just smoke him. They would they would trip him by his ankle and they would just crawl on him until he gassed out and couldn't breathe. They'd just pound on him and submit him and everything else. But a lot of these MMA guys can actually buy. Nate Diaz is <laughs> Nate should not waste his time with this. The fight that I said I want to see is older brother Nick Diaz who's also an amazing boxer, and he's a bigger dude. Jake is a big kid, a lot bigger than Nate. Uh, Nick, Nick without cutting weights, probably uh, close to Jake's size. So the point of that is, 
Let him fight someone with actual boxing skills. And also, Nick's been retired and hasn't fought in a couple years. It's a perfect fight for Nick because I don't know that he wants to come back into the UFC, Nick, at his age and do all these fights against these young, hungry fellas. But something like this, he'd probably make millions. I mean, he's a huge draw. Nick would make millions on that fight. He gets to box, which he's in the gym boxing every day. It'd be super fun. And he'd probably just fucking toy with and destroy Jake like it was nothing. And then Nate's still competitive in the UFC. I want to see Nate get the trilogy against Conor McGregor because he beat him the first time, lost to him the second time. And uh, Conor's about to do another trilogy with Dustin Poirier, I believe. But after, I'd like to see Nate get that fight. And since we're doing some uh, some sports topics, I wanted to mention my man Tiger Woods because he's been in the news a lot recently. He had that car wreck like a month ago and he's recovering from that and you know, a lot of people, and I got in this debate with somebody who I'm friendly with online, a lot of people feel like Tiger, people covered for him, that the police covered for him with this most recent accident, that he shouldn't have, that he should have been charged with some sort of crime. And, you know, he didn't hurt anybody and he was, he was speeding really fast in this Hyundai and, and he flipped it over on the highway and all this. But here's my point in bringing this up because this is a rant that I talk about all the time, which is, can we leave this fucking guy alone? You know, along the same lines of how I said, I'm not going to let them get to me from the woke political standpoint when it comes to my athletes and my musicians and my actors that I enjoy watching their artistry. By the same token, I don't, I don't want to hear and I don't care who they're sleeping with. You know what I mean? Or, or, uh, how many, Vicodins they take. I don't want to know. I don't care. Uh, it's not why I'm a fan. I'm not a fan of Tiger for slanging dick. Do you know what I mean? He had to, when he, nothing pissed me off more when than when he had to go on that sex tour apology years ago. Like as if we as a public deserved to know why he was cheating on his wife and the details of it. Like, are you kidding me? Dude plays golf. He, and, and I'll be honest, he should get, he should get special treatment. And it is, this is another rant I do all the time, which is you got to look at somebody's life on balance and, and what it is to even be that person. Imagine being Tiger Woods. Okay, first of all, the intangible stuff, the positive stuff that he's put into the world, forgetting the billion in taxes that he and his companies have paid, forgetting the thousands of people that he's employed and all the, all the money he's given to charity, all the philanthropic stuff he's done just even the intangible stuff. So you get somebody like me, right? Just the decades of the entertainment. And he's up. I started playing golf when I was older, you know, because of him, to be honest, I I didn't give a shit about. I started playing when I was like 20 something. And I've played ever since. And I just so you've got a a million examples of like that, right? That that means something. It means something, right? You're giving so much to the world in a way that the people that are trying to insult you and criticize you and bring you down could never even conceptualize while they sit at home and complain about that. So on balance with the amount that he's done in such a positive way, whether even intentionally or not, if the dude flips his car over, and you're telling me he should be prosecuted and fined and that a regular citizen would have to pay this and they'd go to jail and this. No, I don't want to hear it. He's fucking tiger. Let him go. Did he hurt anybody? Let him go. And just imagine being that dude. You go, oh, it must be amazing. This and that. He can't go anywhere. You know, you talk about certain levels of celebrity. That's, that's a 
level beyond. That's a level where you've not led a normal existence since you were a young teen. I don't care how much money you have and how many toys you have and private jets and access to this or that. That alone would would kill. It would kill me. It would kill most people. I don't think 99.9% of the population could handle what it means to walk outside your door and be Tiger. And so for people to want him to have to explain himself to you and have to justify his behavior to you, come on, talk about grandiosity or whatever the hell it is. Leave the man alone. Enjoy him for his artistry. And enjoy when he comes back from this wreck and wins more majors because he's gonna. Mark that down. You know, not to get religious. <laughs> I'm not a religious guy. I'm what they call a reform Jew. I'm going to paraphrase this part because I am far from uh, the scholar on, on Judaism and so forth. But my understanding has been that as us, as we Jews believe it, that the way you get to heaven is by leading a life of good deeds. It's, it's almost what I'm saying. It's that it's that on balance, you know. The, the, again, the good stuff, the good stuff that you put out there outweighs the bad. It counts for something. I've talked about this so many times. People spend their whole lives doing good, and then they make one joke on social media where they wear the wrong t-shirt and have a picture taken of them, and people discount everything they've ever done because they assume that this person is a certain way based on some fake narrative they believe rather than simply looking at that person's life and what they've actually done with their life and admiring it and being inspired by it and and striving to do more of the same in their own lives. That's what they should be doing. It's a very weird phenomenon. My man Adam Crowley used to say, and it's true, that many years ago, he would make this analogy, it's so on point. You know, many years ago, if you were a kid or a young person without money or means, and you would see like the rich guy, you know, with the with the big mansion and the and the Mercedes and everything. You would be like, wow, I want that for me one day. If, if you're into that, I want to aspire to be successful like he is. And now they all look at that guy and they go, fuck that rich asshole. I want I should have that, too. Like people just think that all that stuff happens by accident. And uh, they're not looking at the part of these people's lives that they could actually borrow from and learn from and take from and do more of that stuff in their own lives. So on that positive note, dropping a little scripture for you now. I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. I really appreciate you guys uh, listening and downloading all that. Like I said, hit me up online. Anything you want me to discuss, any questions at John Cat Show or email me, johncatshow at gmail.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I will be back in a few days. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you.